You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. David, here we are once again, another second round exit. And not only that, but another second round exit at the hands of those dang blasted Boston Celtics and that freaking leprechaun. I'm tired of it. I hate that dang leprechaun. And I hope you appreciate and notice that I'm keeping my language as PG as possible. Uh, I, I will do my best throughout this podcast. Gosh, gosh darn it all the heck. Yeah, I, I'm just... <laughs> No, no one is happy. No Sixers fan is happy right now. And we have to communicate the fact that we are disappointed. We are upset. We are frustrated as well. We sympathize with all of you right now. Uh, Dave, how are you doing now that you've slept on it? Um, I said this to my friend. I, uh, I knew when game six ended, I knew when that game turned that it was only going to get harder for me to deal with over time. Oh, God, yes. Because I think of game four against Toronto and how it had this time release effect on me. Like, yes, it was a heartbreaking day. 2019, a chance to go up 3-1 of the Raptors. And then you wind up losing the series the way you did. But I had a lot more hope that they could get that 3-1 lead than I did that they would steal game seven so that had a time release pain effect and I think game six is going to feel similarly to me like they had a two-point lead and the ball four and a half to go they had multiple chances to take a two-possession lead and they just kept breaking we get that Woj report that there was a 13 to 4 net nine significant disparity officiating that disadvantaged the 76ers at home right in a close in a closeout game and i'm I'm not going to get over that that's only going to get harder for me to deal with too um because that was it I, I didn't have a ton of hope going into game seven i know everyone's uh talking about how the sixers have no heart and showed no heart for me it was game six i totally agree once the, they had that god it was it felt like an eternity but it was like six seven minutes they went without a field goal and i was just like okay i i know how this 
I know how this script ends. The so, Boston 28 to three run in the third. And I was just like, oh my Lord in heaven, what is going on? A 66 and, to 30 run after Harden's flagrant on Brown. Unfreaking believable. They look, I was moderately hopeful when they were up three at the half. I was like, okay, we're in, we're within they a possession. Were up like nine or 11 or something early in that game. It was like Tucker was hitting. Maybe this was going to happen. Shout out PJ Tucker for getting my hopes up. Like, honestly, let me, let me just get this off my chest real quick. PJ Tucker, I apologize for every slanderous thing I have ever said on this podcast to you, sir. I am sorry. I apologize. You kind of made this team different, even though it kind of ended the same way that we were always kind of dreading and kind of seeing was going to happen. But PJ, fam, we good. I got I got nothing bad to say about you ever. Okay, you're we good. We good. Let me me, me follow your lead and issue an apology to one. This might surprise you. Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers. I'm officially apologizing. I'm sorry. I have criticized you for the better part of three full years now. I criticized you before you were even hired when I heard your name floated. But I think he did enough to win this series. Uh, I think, you know, if Tobias Harris hadn't shot one for seven, if Melton wasn't 0 for five, if Tucker wasn't two for seven from deep in that game six, Doc did his part. I mean, if a few of those calls go in the Sixers' favor, we might be building his statue together on uh, Broad Street. So, In the game seven, Sixers trailed by three at halftime, and then Boston went on that ridiculous run, and... I'll tell you one one thing. I was waiting. I was the way he was talking about it on social media and in the press and all like that. I was waiting for a Tyrese Maxey takeover that never happened. I don't mm. know why I kind of thought that way, but I was just like, okay, is this where Tyrese sees? Okay, Joel doesn't have it. James doesn't have it. Damn, I guess it's on me. All right, cool jump on my back guys let's just go let's get this dub but like that just didn't happen i was just like damn that would have been such a great moment for the kid and maxi finished with team high 17 but it just maybe they maybe he wasn't ready for that moment and at again that's a lot to put on a 22 year old kid that's only been in the league for a couple seasons but that's what i was kind of waiting for yeah, Maxi had a pretty good game six. I think he was nine of 20 from the floor in that one. Uh, he had a few threes that we've seen him hit. He had a couple layups that he didn't hit. And like everyone else, he went cold at a time. They were looking to go ahead by two possessions. And it was like, it's it's a lot to ask for a 22-year-old to win that game when Harden is struggling to the degree that he was. But he he had an opportunity to do so, and it was disheartening. I didn't think he deserved the type of tacit put down that Joel gave him after the game. Me and James can't do it alone. Damian. Yeah, Lillard I was not. Huh? I, I like, was not. I was not a fan of that. Like if you were Tyrese hearing that, you're like, bro, I, I was better than James for a handful of those games. It's like, yeah, you, bro, you, you can't do it alone, <laughs> bro. I like, bro, I don't know what you're talking about. I was there for game three and four. Yeah, I was out there in game one when you were injured, you know, uh, so maybe it could have been me, James, Tyrese couldn't do it. Me, James, Tyrese, and PJ can't do it alone. 
and then it would have been just Tobias under the right. bus. I, I don't know, but definitely didn't like to hear that. The on the flip side, you got the overwhelming impression that listening to the comments, Joel wants James back and sort of made that clear. And James, for his part at least, maybe this is a leverage play because Woj's reports that he's very serious about Houston. There's yeah, another rumor about maybe Phoenix. So it's possible that James just wants four or five options with a max contract from each one. However, uh, it sounds like he said unfinished business. This is only the first full year we've had together. Did get the impression post game that they'd like to run it back again, or at least we're open. We're not done with the partnership. We didn't hear I'm over this partnership from either of them. Right. Which is, uh, which is different voicing from James going into an off season, considering the last couple of off seasons that he's, that he's had. I don't yeah. remember him being so committal when uh, he eventually got traded to Brooklyn. And I definitely didn't hear that when uh, the off season before he was traded here. So to hear that James like wants to be back and we'll get into the off season in the second half of this podcast, we'll just see what happens. But the first item on our off season topics list, when we get to the second half of this podcast is going to be Harden. He has to make his decision first before the Sixers can do anything. Yeah. Can I, can I just say something crazy? Like. Oh, we're all about crazy takes on this podcast, David. Come on. It's just so crazy to me that they were close to winning game six. Can we admit that? Like, yes, absolutely. If, if Harris hits, doesn't go one for seven, I guess he and Melton got a little tight. Is that the narrative we can go with? Is that fair to say? Sure. Or do you, are you one of these analytic, it's all randomness. It's just a cold streak that had nothing to do with how they were feeling. Cause I'm, I'm thinking they were both tight. All right, all right, David, hold on, hold on a second. I don't live and die by analytics. Like I'm sure there's some feeling to go along with the numbers. I'm not, I'm not analytics or bust. That is not me. I don't know where you, I don't know where you got that narrative from David, but I need to shut it down right now. <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't assigning it to you, but I was assuming if we had Daryl Morey as a guest, he might've said it's hard to know what they were feeling because sometimes players do get cold. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, point anyway. I'm is having nothing to do with Harden's game. Harden playing exactly as he did, but wipe game seven off the board because Tobias Harris gets a little bit hot in game six. We get a few of those calls and they win. Right there, Harden has won you game one and game four with a game winner and a 40 plus point performance. He was pretty good in game five. And he, they got it done in game six. Right there, you would be penciling him in for a no-brainer max from Philly. Yes. He got to the conference finals. This is a $260 million four-year guy. We would pay him a fifth year, but we're not allowed because he's so old, 33-plus. Anyway, those guys shooting or a few of those calls going the other way, and now it's like, do you even want him back? So the point I'm making is it, it's very arbitrary, and he lost a lot of money on some things that were not even – part of his own game i i would agree with that and to your point um i just don't i just don't know and like we'll again we'll get into the off season and i will say that the sixers options are extremely limited so i think we're in that position where it's just like okay we can either run this back completely or we kind of have to blow this up based on what we based on where we are both cap wise and asset wise 
and I'm not saying like, oh, let's just blow the whole thing up, trade and be this, that, and the other thing. I'm like, no, not necessarily. But I don't know if you can necessarily run it back with the pieces as constituted. And I'll I'm I'm alluding to a lot in the in the second half. But um real quick quick, back back to game seven. Um I hear what you're saying about Doc. I hear what you're saying. I really do. But it really seems to me that he didn't really have a counter for when Boston went with the double big starting lineup. Maybe he didn't have a counter because, as it was pointed out to me on Slack, what's the counter to it? Like, you're not taking out P.J. Tucker and putting in, like, DeAnthony Melton to start. You're probably not doing that. So, roster-wise, I think Doc was kind of hamstrung with what he could counter with. That's an excellent point. They're, you know, on paper it reads like once Missoula did that, they never scored again. They probably averaged 10 points per quarter after that switch, beginning game six and seven. Uh, but what was the counter? Because, um, you know, it was pointed out, maybe you take Tucker out, but you wound up t- trusting Tucker a heck of a lot more than all the other options you're thinking of. You you had wartime Tucker out there, like, posting on his Instagram that he was shooting in the Boston Garden late last night for Game 7, and, and he came out red hot. So I'm not sure what the appropriate counter was. Uh, it's It was a really tough series, a really tough end for Melton because the reason we got DeAnthony Melton was because he shot so cold against uh, the Golden State Warriors in the playoffs. I forget what he was like, 3 of 21 from distance. That's why he was available to you from a team like Memphis who who has win-now aspirations. And then he did it again, and then now he does it again. Yep. Um, I I would say maybe the only counter, but again, when you have Embiid and Harden out there, it's not exactly easy, but play with more – tempo i guess would be the only counter and just like run away from those bigs as best you can just like get out and transition even on like made baskets but again it's not easy with that starting lineup that they have out there with mb tucker harris harden and maxi i posted on twitter it was the very first play of the game it was the score was tied three to three i'm talking early game six and harden does one of those leave off passes for a sprinting joel who goes up, loses the handle, and he lands sideways on the bad leg and comes up hobbling, as Mark Jones or Mark Davis put it, right, on the broadcast? Yeah. And I don't. my pet theory is that he didn't fully recover from that because mm. this, this man took an absolute blowtorch to Al Horford and this ball. And I know Robert Williams wasn't in the game for that 52-point performance, right? He was um, not. But he took a blowtorch to Boston, and there's no way Horford could handle him. And he had completely put that Horford stymies him thing to bed. And he was a shell of that in Game 6 and Game 7. He was not in Game 5. So I think there was a change. I think he did tweak it. He was clearly limping after another block on Jalen Brown. I just think he lacked some lift attacking. And I think then after missing a few jumpers, he started to lose trust in it. I think the LCL played a much bigger factor than the people punishing him on social media are giving credit for. Yeah. Nobody wants to hear about that stuff this time of year. And let me piggyback on that. Okay. You're upset that Joel and James in a game seven went a combined eight of 29. That is fine. It is okay to feel that way, but understand that there are two things that can exist in the same universe. You can be happy 
you can be upset that they had that performance in game seven, but what you don't want to do and what I'm trying to convince people not to do is realize that without Joel and James, we're not even in that position, right? Without James Harden's performances in game one and game five, we're not here. Without Joel's performance in totality, we're not here. Yeah, they had an off game, but you know what? And sorry for my language, but sometimes shit happens and the ball just doesn't bounce your way. And it's a crappy thing to say, given how everybody is upset and mad and frustrated right now. But sometimes that's just how that works. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I couldn't have put it better. I'm just like, okay, slander Joel and James all you want for their game seven performance. But over the totality of the season, like we wouldn't be here without those guys. So yeah, the the, the lasting memories of that series is going to be the Harden game winners and that dagger triple Joel hit shimmying at half court in game five, because at that moment you believed they were going to host the Miami heat. Right. Uh, and they probably would have won that series. That's certainly how it felt at the time. And then they would be host to whoever emerged from what could be a war between the Nuggets and Lakers. So, all right. Now uh, that we've now that we've vented all of our frustrations about Game Seven, let's take a little break, recon reconvene, and uh, come back after the break, and we'll talk off season and what the Sixers can do. Uh, it's very limited, like I said, but we'll get into it in more detail back after these words. It is the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, Out of Sight Podcast, back after this. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. It is the Out of Sight Podcast and the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. 
Uh, David, is it safe to say that we're kind of doing our exit interviews on this podcast today? <laughs> yes, yes, that's safe. Yeah. <laughs> okay, because the, the Sixers aren't apparently. Oh man, how how? What was your take on that? Hearing that, by the way, um, I it made me it made me joke that uh, Josh Harris has bigger fish to fry with the Commanders. Again, <laughs> They're getting vetted for all these multiple minority stake owners or something. And maybe he was like, you guys don't have to. I, I'm not focused on that. I don't know. Oh, Josh Harris is going to catch some flame in, in this in this part. I'm telling you, <laughs> yeah, that is going to happen. Um, let's start with James Harden. Obviously, the Sixers probably can't make any decisions roster-wise until he figures out what he wants. Does he want to just take his player option and run it back for one more year? Does he really want to go back home, back to Houston? If he declines his player option, will he take some kind of a deal where it's like team friendly and it's just like, all right, I've made all this money over my career. I just want a championship. Those days are over. Those days are over. He's not picking it up. It does sound like someone's willing to offer him a ton of money at this point of his career at this age. He can't turn it down. He's already turned down so much. If Harden comes back, I don't think I would be against it. No, I wouldn't be against it. Player option wise, though, I don't know about I don't know about a four year max though. Steve Lippman asked on our Slack of the Gastro and Tritus Blues, or formerly there of on Liberty Ballers Podcast Network at least, um, what should we be rooting for? And so here let me lay through a few options that were bandied about. Okay. There is the there is the run it back option, uh, that's with Doc and without with with someone else, and then we could talk about Budenholzer versus Monty Williams, two yeah. people that. Uh, then there is the Harden leaves option, where you're you don't have cap space unless you take a blowtorch to your bench. Let Paul Paul Reed is gone, McDaniel's is gone, maybe Shake is gone, and then you can scrounge up just enough money for like an MLE. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the option of pushing Tyrese Maxey's extension back to next year, risking him becoming an unrestricted free agent, but you could pay him a whole pile a lot more and then maybe sign someone else ahead of time if Harden walks, or you just sign Maxey now and lock him up and don't risk any of that stuff and potentially increase his trade value if you wanted to shop him for whoever. It's another option. There's the retool option where you like trade Embiid for Adebayo, trade Harris, you know, and then there's the blow it up option. So of among those, what should you be rooting for? Run it back, but with a different coach. Okay. So uh, Harden's back. Harden's Harden's back on his player option or the four year max. And we just in an have- ideal world, it's on the player options. So you're not committed for a huge thing. And in the next more realistic scenario, nobody offers him a max. And so you can just top the market for him and get less than a max. Still a four-year deal, probably. But like but, you said, yeah. he's not. I, but like you said, I don't. The the days of him are ta- of taking less than the max, like we both feel that that's kind of done, right? Yeah, and then you have to look at him as the days where he's your second best player might be gone, because yes. clearly he goes into something where he's awesome one night and just not. And he does have this lengthy history of elimination game. No shows. Can I call it a no show? Uh, so, sure. We can, we, we can go with that term. 
And so you get the sense that at times, like maybe game one, there was like zero pressure. Completely nobody thought they would win. And then game four, there's a ton of pressure. If you go down 3-1, it's over, and he delivered. So it's hard to completely predict when he's going to deliver and when he's going to take such a weird, I don't know. I don't know what to say, but so let me need, let me try to else. answer let me let me try to answer your question with this question. Yeah. Is it possible that Maxi should be the number two on this team? Despite Certainly the fact that in an ideal world, yeah. Despite the fact that we're paying hard and all this money? Yeah, ideally, the way Phoenix Suns feel about Chris Paul, it's like if that's a great parallel that's a great parallel second best player you're in a lot of trouble but can he still be the quarterback i joked i joked about like the peyton manning on the broncos once like he doesn't have the arm strength anymore but he can absolutely read the defense he always knows when a run should be called he always knows when a pass should be called yes uh and he can sometimes just read a defense so well that he can scheme up a wide open tight end in the end zone and then there was just enough with that defense to win the Super Bowl. Can he be that guy for you? I'm totally down for that. That's a, that is a that is a genius parallel. Good job by you, David. Very nice. Um, all right, let's have let's have the sideline co- uh, conversation because in in this I'm okay. Harden and Bead Maxi coming back. Notice how I left a name out. We'll get to him in a second. Um. <laughs> but it's a different it's there's a there's a different there's a different man on the sidelines honestly as much as joel wants him back and as much as like as okay quote unquote as the relationship is between harden and doc rivers as he said i don't know if doc can be brought back next season i think that if rivers is on the sideline next year i feel like that's going to be some kind of subliminal message to the fans and they're going to take it the wrong way. I just don't know if you can have them on the sidelines again. You subliminal taken the wrong way, meaning like an F you to the fans. Pretty much like that's how I, I feel like that's where a lot of people are going to go with it. He still owed 16 million over the next two seasons, a team that might be paying James Harden 200 plus million in this scenario, maybe paying Tyrese Maxey a comparable amount. Uh, maybe matching a $10 million, $8 million offer for Paul Reed. You still got house. You still maybe even have Trez opting in. And so you're way over the luxury tax as your owner looks to cobble together funds for a new team. Uh, if you are replacing a guy with guaranteed money, are you looking for a up-and-comer who'd be very cheap? Because in an ideal world for me, I think you might just hire Mike Budenholzer. The names that are being thrown out and like, okay, can can I just scratch off Nick Nurse like right now? Can I just scratch that off? Not just because I don't want him here, but because I feel like Nurse to Milwaukee is pretty much locked up. Like I have this feeling in my gut that like Nurse to Milwaukee is kind of like a shoe in. If you want to say he's scratched because it's not going to happen, I'm fine with that. But if you are scratching him because we shouldn't want him, I'd say, no, let's leave him on the list somewhere. Now he he's on the list where it's just like wait the Sixers hired Nick Nurse that happened Milwaukee didn't want him Phoenix didn't want him okay cool yeah that's, yeah I'd be okay fine. with that okay uh so that's the reason why I'm scratching Nick Nurse off like I just have it in my gut that he'll be in Milwaukee or Phoenix next year so okay. I'm just like eh 
I'm not going to pay attention too much to Nick Nurse, but I would love to see Coach Bud and Embiid and see what he can do with with that, given his performance with Giannis. Like, that would be fun. I think that Budenholzer gets a lot of undue slander. Uh, I know that there are some fair criticisms, but and I know that he has a lot of talent, but he did win a title as um, Haralabob Bob Vulgaris has pointed out on Twitter. Like he has done things. He has made tweaks that have pushed an evolution of the game. You know, yeah. his, his decision to at a time where everyone was so worried about the three point and the three point revolution, he was like, you know what? Let's just go all in on rim protection and let's let teams take more threes. So I think he is more innovative than he's given credit for. I think the fact that Brooke Lopez has thrived so much in drop coverage bodes well for him taking over and sliding into something Joel Embiid loves to do the most. I think his minutes per game allocation would bode well for an older team. Like if you look at the Sixers minutes compared to the, the Bucks minutes, he's really careful about keeping guys below a certain threshold. He's, you know, like formulaic about Giannis's minutes and not he's very good at like, time management. He's very good at time management from that aspect. Yeah, would he have the player personnel to win the minutes when Joel sits? He would have he would be working with less money overall here than I suppose he was in the past with the Bucks, blah, blah, blah. So I don't know, but I think he's a good fit. I think he's been a top five coach. He won a championship. He won 60 games with the Atlanta Hawks. His best right. player was, I don't know who, Paul Millsap or Kyle Korver, Al Horford. So I think uh, he gets I think he gets a lot of I think he gets a lot of undue crap because he like won the championship two years ago. Also, Just go also, also those years he was with the Hawks, like nobody was really winning when LeBron James was buzzsawing through the East. Like, what are we talking about? Nobody, nobody had a, I wouldn't hold that against him. The other thing is uh, he does have a good balance where you are led by an absolute alpha superstar, but you're getting really good contributions from other guys. And I think that's been less of a challenge for him than it has been for Doc over the last 10 years. Uh, Sam Cassell, promoting Sam Cassell, thoughts? No, no, no. I, you know, Daryl Morey has said like, I see Doc and Sam as the same person sometimes. We've we've seen Sam come out saying he's not really into analytics. So I think if you were making a change, you have to make a bigger change than Doc's right-hand man for the last so many years. Okay, so like a fundamental like culture shift on the sidelines. It, assuming Maury's going to be back, which I am comfortably. I, I yeah, think yeah. you want someone I think you want him to finally be able to handpick a guy who wants to try and experiment to the degree that Maury has in the past who wants who's open to like let's do something wacky let's do something radical um doc clearly wasn't on the same wavelength with some of that stuff like he always had to have his traditional non-switch non-shoot big out there when joel was off um it took him a long time to finally get comfortable deploying reed he went i don't know 53 games with trez first right so yeah i would go for more of a more of a in line with Daryl's thinking stuff. Uh, Vulgaris was criticizing the Sixers for not crashing the offensive glass a little bit more. He called that an analytics mistake, like analytics one-on-one mistake. So maybe there's some low hanging fruit for them to pick up with a new coach. Nick Nurse was. You made the, you made the point about uh, Josh Harris and his uh, 
purchase of the or being involved in a purchase with the Washington Commanders. And I do I just hope that doesn't come too much into play. I'm sure it will a little bit because, you know, he's he's a businessman, unfortunately, and they just want to make money. But like. You have this you have this entity that is so close to bringing you like, I don't want to say truckloads of new cash, but, you know, yeah, kind of an NBA championship does much, much for your for, for your budget and for your bottom line. I, I I don't know. Like, I want Josh Harris to be like, all right, you know what? I'm this close to winning a championship with this group. Screw it. I'll take the hit and fire uh, Doc Rivers and just, like, I'll pay the new guys. Like, that's fine. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, and then the other guy that Joel mentioned maybe shouldn't have been fired was Monty Williams, who would also be costly. Would you? That That's another name. Would you uh, bring Monty in? He wouldn't be higher on my list than Bud because I have more confidence. I have more evidence that Bud is a great coach. True. Um, but yeah, he'd definitely be on my list. Uh, the only other person that was on my list because it was kind of floated to me as like an outside idea. Um, Kenny Atkinson. But again, I don't know if like how much of it was just like, oh, that was just the roster he had. And like that's. Or, or like how good of a coach is he in, in Brooklyn when he got that raw deal? I'm just like, eh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't think I would consider him strongly. That, that too much was different. That was like a I overachieved with the team you thought was going to win 20 games. I didn't have any superstars to manage. It would be so many things he's never done that we'd be giving him a chance to do. It seems like you might as well go for someone even more raw, someone like who's never done it. Yeah. All right, here's here's a big conversation, and I just remembered this doing my homework. Tobias Harris, oh. he's on an expiring contract this upcoming season. And that being the case, we see this happen a lot of times with guys with like large expiring contracts. Is this the offseason where the Sixers are finally able to move him for something? Yeah, I think they could. I do think they could. Because um, we both agree that there's no way the Sixers are going to get better through free agency. They just don't have the money to do it. Definitely not, unless someone was like, I just want to be a six. Like, someone really weird, like Kyrie. was <laughs> like, you know, like, there was that that rumor that no one should have believed that Kyrie was going to join the Lakers for $8 million or something. Something yeah. bizarre like that. Not necessarily him, because I think him and Harden have a history, although if Harden left... But you know what I mean, like I get you. Something uh, completely off the map. They're not improving through free agency. I mean, you get a guy like last year's Caleb Martin or something. And this is not to say that I don't want Tobias back next year. I I have been more supportive and outspoken of Tobias than most people. But honestly, I I think this is finally the year where he possibly gets moved and there's just some scenarios that i was working around in my head i don't know how doable any of these are but like would toronto be interested in like swapping expiring contracts to bias for siakam <laughs> I, 
I'll take that as a no then. <laughs> I mean, I'm how not, many how many picks are you attaching? I'm not in. The, well, that's the thing. They don't really have any picks to attach until 2029. Uh, yeah, that's why I'm laughing. Uh, that's a forced forced laughter. <laughs> okay, all right. So that um, so that was dumb. That was that was silly. <laughs> I apologize. I apologize. I apologize for even porn. floating. I was I was foolishly floating that out with like important. I'm just I'm 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 hip firing, Dave. That's what I'm doing here. I'm just hip firing. So we can just we just count that as a miss. We know how much Joel loves Maxi. And so when Joel says me and James need more help, I know it's a tacit shot on Maxi by default, by definition, but I know he does he's not mad at Tyrese. Like no. I but so then who does he really mean? It, yeah, it's Tobias. Like game six. To have a one for seven no show like that, it's devastating. And you he he had like a two for eleven performance in that game four against Toronto. So in, in the biggest stages, he hasn't been there when they need to win at home. And Daryl Morey talked about it once on a podcast. He was like, I was worried for Tobias at one point because the fans, our fans were getting on him. So I really do it makes my job more difficult because I have to think who's built for this, you know, who's who can handle when the Sixers fans get on you and Tobias hasn't been that guy who can come and deliver at home in a high pressure game seven, uh, a high, you know, environment. I almost want to cut out that Tobias for Siakam trade just to, just to like wipe it from the internet, but I'm going to leave it in so that people can flame me on Twitter for such a silly idea. <laughs> um, but no, but is there, you know, to your point, like, is there someone out there, where the salaries would match that another team would actually consider doing or two guys. Is there, okay. Is there a universe where like, I don't know. What's your, this is a random question. What's your, what's your take on like the Chicago bulls right now? Like, should they still be going for it? Should they be like in full rebuild? Like, I don't know what the hell they're trying to do. Um, I guess I would be looking to make significant changes. Like if I'm like, I, if the bulls, if the bulls are selling, like would Tobias Springer and 29, would that get you Zach Levine? Maybe. No, no. I think a team like the New York Knicks would say we could, we could top that. Deal. They have way more. But, they could top that a lot better. Yeah. Let's just give them Fournier and one pick and they'll prefer it. So basically what I'm hearing is, is like unless Maxi is in a trade for for somebody like I like Tobias and Maxi would have to be the trade. Yeah, if you told me they were improving with the Tobias Harris trade, I'd start to think okay, maybe Maxi's in that deal and then it's for someone like Lillard. You know, we, used to, we used to talk about Beal and Lillard, but I don't know who the next Oh, I have a name. I have a yeah. name. But yeah. it depend it depends on what they do with their offseason. And I'm telling you right now, I'm watching that Dallas situation like a freaking hawk. Like like hawks with video cameras. It's ridiculous how much I'm watching that situation. Cause but if, who are you getting? Kyrie Irving? If Kyrie walks or they don't re-sign Kyrie, is if it you possible? say Luca, it's I'm be saying more, I'm, I'm saying say I'm Siakam. saying Luca, goddammit. If, if you say I'm Luca, saying I Luca. have to laugh harder than I did at Seattle. I'm saying Luca. I'm saying it. Okay. All right, then I have to ah <laughs> it's not, they don't have the assets. Like I'm not like, Oh my like god. Oklahoma would give you like 50 picks for him. Oh my god. 
see oh man that's just killing all my dreams all right i, I guess i'll Utah stop jazz now have 50 picks they could offer right they do but not, uh, not well, in that ballpark with maxi well especially after what boston did to maxi in that series luca to utah kind of makes too much sense <laughs> <laughs> um so so what lillard beal that's the kind of territory we're in yeah, but I don't think Beal is worth giving up Maxi and Harris for. I mean, it feels like uh, maybe if if Harden's still here, maybe. But I'm not. I'm not positive. Like I think I might rather just have Maxi for the next so many years. I think so too, honestly. Just like if we run it back completely next year, and like we just get Tobias clean off the books in like the next off season, I'm sure that would help, and. Obviously, it's not going to be good that we're losing Niang potentially because he's he, his contract is is up, and I, I didn't I don't know expect if, you to say that. I don't I, listen. I'm just going through the whole <laughs> roster here. I'm going through the whole roster. If he doesn't resign for like an MLE or something like that, then now you're asking. Sorry to even say it. You're probably asking Furcon to be in that fire away mode. My two my two lasting memories right now of Niang are he hit a monster three I think that put the Sixers up five with like 13 and a half to go in game six and I was like oh let's go we're gonna do this we were down 16 and now we're gonna do this and it was Niang's three right and yeah and then, then grabbing the knee on the out of bounds of Jalen Brown oh after Harden should have been they should have called the loose ball foul on Jalen Brown they Don't even get started on that. Like, George, what are you doing? George, what are you doing? And weren't they – and that was like a four-point swing, five-point swing, because they hit the two technical – no, it was a, a double – it was double technical, so it didn't happen. But, like, you just started to see it get away from us, like, right there. Yeah, I think um, – I think when Harden starts to see he's not going to get calls – Harden has pointed out – Doc has pointed out that no one in the NBA – gets more no calls that should be called against him than James. Which um, is fine, but at the same time, like, okay, James, you didn't get the call, but you're also on the floor. Get up. It's a four on five right now. We we can't, like, I'm, I'm sorry you didn't get the call, but get up and get back on the defensive end. Like, I was yelling at my TV, like, more times it's not than fair. not. It's not fair to James to make this comparison because he's an all-time great. Yeah. But it's, it seems like, when Ben Simmons gets scared to shoot free throws, he goes into an offensive funk. It kind of felt in that series like when Harden could see he wasn't getting calls on his drives. He it really into, did. This big funk. Um, Because then, then players sit on his step back because he's like, all right, so I'm not really going to attack to score. Now I don't have my step back. I'm taking crazy contested ones when I do take them. And my decision-making is off. Uh, I know there's a 50% chance if I go in there and get fouled, they're not going to call it, so I'm not going to bother. Yeah. it's this, It was this feedback loop, and I felt for him because, you know, when, when Woj tweets out, there's a significant disparity, and clearly that came from the Sixers, that they got, like, a net nine differential call in game six. If he goes in and gets fouled and it's coming the other way for three, that's a five-point swing. So that, that that stuff really matters. And he pointed out, James did, after that game, that it also costs him rhythm. I would get a couple free throws. I'd see the ball go in the basket. Instead, you get this, like, he's on the floor. They're running and gunning. We have to call a timeout. Now he doesn't want to drive. 
Uh, it, there's a lot to think about and ponder going into this offseason. And that's not going to get better next year. You're not going to feel better in 2024 that suddenly he's going to get those questionable calls. No, definitely not. You're going to be like, they're going to they're gonna let other teams take landing zone fouls on them. They're not going to call him any griffs. Joel's going to get mad at him. <sighs> Again, Dave, ready for another fun Sixers offseason? We ready for this? That was me vomiting. Uh, I, I get. I'll take that. I'll take that as a no. <laughs> I can't, man. I, I can't. This there's, team. There's nothing enjoyable about a Sixers off season anymore. There's just really not. <laughs> that game six, man. It, it all like you never thought this season when the Bucks and the Celtics were atop the East, and the Sixers couldn't catch them. That things were going to break so right. The, but the bracket broke, and they won Game Five, and Milwaukee was out. And you win one home game against Boston. You're hosting Miami. I'm penciling you in for the finals. And then you're hosting that series. I would have loved your chances if Joel could have gotten healthy as the playoffs went along. But as he showed in game six and game seven, maybe he would have gone the other way and just gotten progressively less healthy. Unfreaking believable. All right. Well, we'll, 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 We'll continue to to cover the team because oh. it, it's 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 frustrating. It's saddening. Uh, Melton, but, hit a couple of those game six threes, please. But we do it. We do it because we love you guys, and we're we're here to sympathize, and we're here to cry with everyone. So please, continue. Melton. Continue to read the site libertyballers.com. You can follow on Twitter at liberty underscore ballers. Anthony, you were wide open. <laughs> <laughs> Dave is gonna have PTSD about D'Anthony Melton for the next like six months. I almost want to buy a D'Anthony Melton jersey and just like wear it on the podcast at all times this summer. Like I feel I'm like gonna, that's gonna happen. I'm gonna create my own T-shirt that says, "If D'Anthony Melton hit those corner threes in the fourth quarter of Game Six, who's to say?" <laughs> Uh, if there are any Twitter designers that uh, want to produce such a T-shirt for David, you can reach him at David Early on Twitter. Oh, uh, you... Let me say one more thing. Okay. You you cannot connect this completely to the process. No, stop the doing process. that. Yeah. Tobias Harris was not part of the process. Anyway. The process, the process was fine. The process worked. It's what happened after the process when we hired Brian Colangelo. That's why we're in the mess that we're in right now. Okay. Can everybody just stop with that? National media, WIP, 97.5. The process did not come full circle yesterday. Exactly. Stop it. Everybody stop that narrative. I'm serious. I'm going to go at this. David, I'm serious. I'm going Twitter hunting for, for takes like that. You find them, you forward them to me on Twitter. And Kevin will... O'Connor, WIP are the two that I've seen talking that full circle stuff. Okay. Forward that, forward that to me. I'm going, I'm going Twitter hunting. I'm going Twitter sniping on on, okay. on those folks. I'm serious. <laughs> Anybody that sees that nonsense and forward it to me at a DOB Royster on Twitter, forward it to me. I'm going, I'm I'm Tired of that. Like, I'm did, going hunting. Did Ronald Reagan's trickle-down anomics come full circle under George W. Bush? Yeah, come on. <laughs> what are we talking about here? Okay. All right. I, David, on that note, I think it's time to go. Because I think... <laughs> Because I think we're 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 getting heated now. We're getting angry now. Like that's not where I wanted to be. Like I got all my anger out 
last night and this morning. I don't want to be in this dark place again. Did, did Obama's Clean Air Act come full circle under Trump? Okay, all right, David, we're going. We're leaving. That's it. We'll talk to everybody next week. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Property Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of PropG Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.